I want to take some time and record this so that I can go back to it when I am feeling lonely, depressed, second-guessing myself, um, if anybody else is ever feeling that way, when I'm questioning why I'm here, why I'm doing the things that I'm doing, um, just to remind myself how ingrained this whole journey has been for me since I was such a little kid. And it all started back in first grade. So what, 2002-ish? Miss Senholtz's class, Trinity Christian School. So the first memories I ever have of talking about, like even saying the word army, right? It's the Lord's Armies song that we sang in school. And it was, uh, I'm in the Lord's Army. Yes, sir. Right? Something to the effect of like, ride with the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I may never zoom over the enemy, but I'm in the Lord's Army. Yes, sir. And like, little little right like I'm talking like seven eight years old singing that song six years old how old are you first grade seven maybe um and then from there you know like a year and a half two years later is when the hurricanes hit right took the roof off my house and I remember running to the neighbor's house looking out seeing the neighbors on top of the roof and then a year after that you know Hurricane Katrina hits And then these soldiers are coming out of helicopters, saving people. I didn't need saving like that when, you know, our house got destroyed. However, just watching all of this be ingrained, right? They're bringing the food. They're rescuing people off their roofs when their houses are flooded to the ceiling. Um, Whatever people need, you know, the soldiers, the Coast Guard, the National Guard, they're there. And they're saving these people. And... Those are the childhood images that I have of superheroes in my brain. Um, And then I remember being in like middle school-ish and having told my mom when we were on a vacation one summer that I think when I grow up, I want to join the army or the military, whatever I said, I don't know. And I remember her just being like, uh, no, (laughs) not happening. Um... And then, like, going all through high school, and nobody ever, like, approached me about the military, you know? Like, maybe it's the middle class, blonde-haired, suburban girl, you know? But it was, that wasn't it. You know, there's my one of my best friends, you know, she went and joined the Air Force. And, like, right out of uh, high school. And I was like, wait, you're not going to college? Like, that was a... It was weird to me, you know? Like, I remember talking to my mom about it a little bit, being like, how's she going to college? Hmm, interesting. That's cool. And then, like, some other, a bunch of dudes, you know, that I went to high school with decided to join the Army, and that was good for them. Um, but that was never something that was, like, proposed to me in a way to plan my future. And everybody's different, so I'm not going to, like, talk about that aspect. But it was just, like, not an option in high school. And then I go to college. I have a biomedical ethics class, right? And it was in the ROTC building. I knew nothing about the ROTC, but I 
was just like, oh my gosh, they do like rock climbing in there and like propelling and they have uniform and that is pretty cool. But I never looked into it for myself or anything. Then I am down this like healthcare pathway and not sure where to take that. Um, decided not to do nursing, physical therapy didn't work out. So I started working, you know, I'm a CNA, I'm a nanny, I'm a physical um, fitness trainer after college. I started running a kickboxing gym and, you know, I'm feeling like when I'm coaching these classes that, I don't know, some sass is coming out and I'm feeling a little like drill surgeon-y. <laughs> and, um, you know, I think that worked for some of my clients, but not everybody. And then, um, one day, a couple of, I guess, recruiters, I don't really know for sure, marketing, I don't know, recruiting related people, though, come in and they ask me when I'm managing if they can put like some business cards up on our desk for some of our members who might have like, sons, you know, that want to maybe join or talk about it. So um, from there, we get to just chatting and I decide you know what I want to at least go like take this ASVAB I always was considering I always thought it'd be cool but never was the right time or anything so I don't know what I took but I definitely went there and took some sort of like a ASVAB pretest maybe the pie cat I don't know what it was um but I never even like got my results it just I went home and talked to my now ex about it and he was like you know what am I supposed to do while you're gone for 10 weeks like how am I supposed to take care of the house the dog, whatever and I was just like all right you know what maybe it's not a good time in my life or whatever so I didn't do it right um and from there I go ahead and go back to work I'm up for a promotion anyway um and it's all fine and dandy. COVID hits. We move out to Arizona. Um, we break up. I'm bartending. Two jobs. And working like 80 hours a week. I go home for a few days. Watch my sister graduate from the police academy. And it just like reminded me, I think, of all of that dreaming I had done. And all of that. Hmm, I wonder if that you know me does that work maybe um so like literally I think the day after I get home I go online and I'm looking at the guard and I'm like okay what would I even do if I wanted because it was always the guard for me it was never like any other branch it was always the national guard um that like interested me and then so I put in my information and I'm like all right first recruiter that calls me whatever we'll talk so this girl calls me and we're chatting and basically I'm like, what are my options? How soon can I get moving on this? Like, this is what I pretty dang sure I want to do. So she's like, okay, can you come in next week and we can talk about it or something like that. It was at least a few days out. And I was like, dang, I'm really till next week. <laughs> but then I was like, all right, sure. Sounds good. So I, um, whatever that day was, I went in that morning um, and I'm pretty sure, like, I had bartended the night before also, and I met her at, like, 9 o'clock in the morning, so I was probably up until, like, 4 or 5, and then up again at, like, 8 to go see her and talk to her, 
Um, so that same day, I know for sure that day I took the podcast and did good on it. Um, and we were talking about jobs. Nothing was really like piquing my interest. Everything was like oh, cool. And she's like talking about my job experience and I had already gone to college. And she's like, you know what? You should go to be an officer. You should do federal OCS. And I was like, what? I know nothing about the army. You want me to go be an officer and like lead people? I cannot do that. I don't know anything about it. So, um, her first sergeant comes in and, um, it's basically talking to me, telling me the same thing. Like, yes, you have this experience and these credentials, you should do that 100%. And I was like, what? And I was like, can I, can I like enlist and then drop a packet and do like state OCS? They're like, no, don't do that. It's so much harder success rate, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh my God, but I can't go just be an officer. That's like, I can't do that. I know nothing. I'll be a fraud. And they're basically like, no, you will go through so much training. You will not be a fraud. It'll, it'll be fine. And, um, take it or leave it. Whether you think (laughs) people that go through basic training and then OCS come out as an officer at the end are, you know, worthy or not, if that's enough training or not. Um, just remember that ROTC kids don't go through basic training. They do their own little whatever, but Hey, at least I can say that I went through basic just like all the other enlisted soldiers. Anywho, um, so from there, they finally say, okay, at least go do this board interview, talk to them, and see what they say. So I don't even know at this point who is on that board. Like, it's probably people that I know in the day-to-day world at this point. But I have no idea who's in that board interview. All I know is they were high up people. Um, but that said, we went through the process and they had so many questions about who I was, where I came from, what I had gone through. Uh, we talked about why I moved to Arizona, that whole process and, you know, everything from loving to adventure to loving leadership and um emergency management being like my peak interest in life. So um, after that board interview, they decided, yes, great candidate. So I went and did MEPS, um, retook the ASVAP to confirm my score. And then I sat down with um, the surgeon that was basically in there and schedules things like that and he tells me okay in six months you're gonna go to basic training and I was like six months like I have to go and wait and prepare for six months I'm like yeah but you'll drill between now and then you'll have RSP so six months of RSP leads me into basic training so we do a I did two months worth of red phase, two months of white phase, two months of blue phase. Um, And that was definitely fun. Definitely taught me a lot. I would tell people when I had to take the weekend off to go to drill, I was like, yep, gonna go play army for the weekend. Yay, I'm excited. (laughs) And then um, left for basic, did my 10 weeks. Then we finished right before Christmas. We had holiday block leave, and then New Year's Day that morning, bright and early, 
flew to Georgia, had OCS 12 weeks. And then during that process is when I decided, you know what? The only branch right now that is sticking out to me is the infantry. And I think anything else, um, I might be bored. It is not what I feel I am called towards. I feel like the infantry will give me that broad scope, general, all-encompassing knowledge and experience. Every other branch is literally designed to support the infantry um, in one way or another. And I feel like in the future, I can always, you know, pick another branch and get specific, but I will always be able to draw knowledge and skills from the infantry. And blue is my favorite color. So why not? Just kidding. <laughs> I mean, it is, but, you know, I love the, the action, um, you know, everything from going out to the field and enjoying camping for seven days, even though you're sitting in the heat, not eating great food or whatever, but it's just something about it draws me. And I am a firm believer that's just what I was meant to do. Nothing else calls my soul like the infantry does. So here I am. Um, and I'm talking to my recruiter about it. Um, somewhere along this process, I think it was when she was driving me to MEPS before I left. I don't think it was my first trip to MEPS when I, in process, I think it was when I was going to MEPS before flying out that, um, you know, we were talking about how I still at that time hadn't picked a branch yet. And that's finally when she tells me that her MOS for a little while was 11 Bravo. So then she tells me how she was actually, a few years prior, the first female in the Arizona National Guard to enlist as a infantryman. So that wasn't her original, you know, she was in long before 2015 is when they finally allowed females to join the infantry. Um, but then, so she ended up reclassing back and she became a recruiter and she was a medic and stuff like that. But, um, it just kind of like felt a little bit meant to be. I think that she was the first female infantry woman in Arizona and that she recruited me after I just had this gut innate feeling like I just was going for any random recruiter. I would have joined no matter who it was, but then just knowing that she was the person that like basically fate matched me up with, um, was really significant to me. And then, so I leave for basic and I'm in 161. That was my battalion, Delta Company, 161 at Fort Jackson. And then come to find out when I get home, she also, back in the day, did her basic training at Fort Jackson at 161. That was her battalion. Um, so that's wild. That first of all, uh, just all of that was wild. Um, 
And then when she joined first the 158 in Arizona, that's our infantry battalion, she was at Delta Company. And then I was at Delta Company at Basic. And then I went to OCS and I was at Delta Company again. And originally I was told that Delta Company is where I was going to go end up drilling at um, after I branched infantry. But I got back and ended up at Alpha Company and I love every one of them. So I will, um, it worked out great. Doesn't matter that it wasn't Delta Company. Um, Because I learned so much, so incredibly much. And the more I got to know the people in my company, the more I felt like I actually made the right decision. So flash, flash forward, here I am waiting to go to iBolic. Um, I leave in like two weeks now, so I'm thrilled. I have a four-day drill at the range right before I leave, so I don't think you could really... <laughs> I don't think I could have a better send-off than that. Um... But so right now, as I prepare, you know, I I go to work every day, working full-time in the task force, keeps me with my head in the game in that environment. Um, Great people around me that really want me to succeed and probably have way more faith in myself than I do. But I wake up and I go to work and I run and I run and I run my legs off, run my heart out, go inside, work all day hit the gym after, work on some more hit stuff, been doing CrossFit, getting stronger, have my um, shoulder, it's still just been killing me, and, you know, just pushing forward, doing some physical therapy, strengthening myself, trying to work on the inflammation, doing whatever I can between different therapies, Um, and it's a lot, and it is stressful, And every morning when I get there and it's still dark out and I get ready to start running and then I just keep reminding myself what I'm running towards because I'm tired of running away from things. I'm ready to run towards things and that's what I do every single morning. And then occasionally I see a shooting star outside like I did this morning and it's just like a little magical moment that between that and then watching the sun rise and the weather's getting cooler it's just like reassuring that it's going to work it's going to be okay I don't know how I got here but I am and every time that I have something I don't really think I can overcome it happens anyway and because of that I'm not going to quit pushing I have so much that I have accomplished in working towards this. And there's so much more, so much more work to be done. iBullock is 19 weeks long. There are so many physical requirements that I am terrified of. I am terrified that my shoulder pain is going to keep me from being successful. Every morning when I am just sore and exhausted and I don't want to get up, I think about my blue cord because that is the next thing that I am working towards. And it's one milestone at a time, one step at a time, one mile at a time. But that blue cord right now, 
that is that tip of the mountain right there. That's what I'm just reaching and reaching and reaching for. And I am going to get there. I am committed. I'm going to put that blue cord on. And it's going to be one of the proudest moments of my life. Maybe the proudest moment so far. And I know that I won't be the only one proud. Because I have more people rooting for me and on my side that have no idea who I am. All they know is that once that blue cord is on, I will be the first female to wear that blue cord as an officer in the Arizona National Guard. And my recruiter was the first enlisted soldier, female soldier, to wear that blue cord in the Arizona National Guard. And I owe it to her to be the officer that satisfies that leader's first policy, that allows other females like her to join, because right now they can't. Until somebody like me, as a leader, puts on that blue cord and sticks around long enough for others to go and train up, get their blue cord, and come back. It's on me to continue paving that way, and I'm committed to doing so. And as that blue cord sits there and eyes me down in my brain, in my car, I'm just going to keep remembering that that is what I'm working towards. And every time that I'm feeling that doubt, I'm going to think about, for example, the, uh, I mean, not even just one. It was like three or four different um, wives slash girlfriends of soldiers that are were at the ball this weekend. And as soon as they realized what female in the infantry, what that meant, even though they, they recognized that I hadn't gone to Bullock yet and that there's still a lot more work to be done, but they just knowing that somebody was on that pathway and in that pipeline, they were like, they were thrilled and they were so supportive. Like this one lady, for example, she was like, I don't even know you, but I love you. And I'm so proud of you. And I'm so excited for you. And this just makes me so happy. Oh my God. And I was like, who are you? <laughs> like, why do you care so much? But it's so, as much as it doesn't matter, it does. Because other girls right now can't do what they love and what they want to do. Because they're still waiting to check those boxes. The battalion is still waiting to check off a few more boxes so that these girls can come in and do it safely. And while the policy is kind of BS, I understand it's there for a reason. And I understand that the hoops are there to protect other younger girls who want to join the infantry. They want to do the cool guy stuff. And I and right there with them and I agree and I want to do it and I want them to do it and it's going to be great. I understand they need leaders 
so that they're not alone. So when they have issues, they need to be able to feel safe and that they can come to people. And yes, there are male leaders that are safe people and that are open door, open arms, and they are willing to be a support system. They're willing to help and do whatever these young female soldiers need. But I also realize that it's not the same. Sometimes you just need another girl. Just like guys, sometimes they just need another dude to talk to. And it's that comfort level. And when you're in such an uncomfortable situation, growing, paving the way, it is sometimes hard. So while I recognize that there's enough leaders in this world that I don't need a female leader above me, other females will. And I want to be that for them. I want to be that support system. And I know it's going to be worth it. Once we can check these boxes off, we can, we can play this game and we can win this game. And while, yes, it's annoying, yes, it's obnoxious, and yes, there's a whole bunch of just roadblocks in the way, it's going to protect our young female soldiers in the future, and it's going to be okay. So, it is currently October. I leave in a couple weeks for iBullock. I'll be back in about six months. I will have JRTC next summer. I will be in the box and my platoon will be ready for me and I'll be ready for them to lead them through that. And we will come out more skilled, more knowledgeable than we ever could have been before. And then we have our deployment where God knows what that's going to hold for us, but it is exciting. It is thrilling. And checking off these boxes, accomplishing these goals, These are the things I'm working towards. These are the reason that I'm here. Getting through the next six months is going to be one of the hardest things I've ever done, but I am excited. I'm excited. Even though right now I am not sure how I'm going to make it, I'm committed enough to know that it's going to happen. I don't know how, but it is going to happen. There's no doubt in my mind this blue cord that I'm staring at right now as we speak is going to be around my shoulder. I'm committed to that. Whatever needs to be done, I'm committed to making that happen.